episode 91 of G.I. Joburg. My name is Steven, and I'm joined by the Elite Team. Ninja Master Paul! <laughs> ninja and training. Tra- tra- training. Tranny Ninja Rob. <laughs> that was special. <laughs> you got the ninja on the west coast. I use a nunchuck, but my name is not nunchuck. Oh, and guys... I know you guys know about my chickens. One of the chickens died a couple days ago. Oh, no, man. Yeah, That's horrible. Yeah. It was. Like, was, it a, was it a Sunday or something? It was. I did the burying duties, but, uh, yep, so we're, we're one chicken down, but I'm ready to podcast. Uh, I'm so sorry, dude. Way to go to drop the mood in the room, man. Damn, that was an anvil. It was I'm just sorry ch- about your chicken, but it, it is episode chicken. 91. We recorded an episode called episode 90, and it was all about the 90s. But damn, if we didn't mention subgroups, I mean, come on. You can't talk about the 90s without talking about the blight that was the 90s, and that was the subgroups, right? Or were they? Because we're about to talk about the most divisive, the most controversial, the most... Blighty <laughs> subgroup of them all. <laughs> it's called Ninja Force. Ninja, Ninja, Force, 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 Force. A conversation that's been needing to be had for some time because I think there are views shared by members of GI Joeberg that might come as a surprise to the GI Joe community at large. Ha! <laughs> but let me not give the game away. Boys, who's got some new stuff to talk about? Paul's got new stuff. Surprisingly. <laughs> okay, so it's actually kind of half new stuff. Um, so one of our very, very cool listeners, uh, a man by the name of Jim Godfrey, if you haven't heard that name before, then you haven't listened to our podcast. Uh, Jim Godfrey and I were chatting, and he had a moray that was lying around doing nothing. So he asked me if I wanted it, and I said, yes, Jim, I would love your moray. So I have received the bow of the moray, the missiles, all of the attachments, the searchlight, a lamprey, an alley viper. But I don't have a complete moray because I'm still waiting for the top section to be sent with the part of my parcel. Thank you, South African Postal Service. But I still have a moray. I have the boaty boat part, not the toppy top part. So that's pretty cool. Who else got new stuff? <laughs> Basically, you just got a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's got no oceans to play in anyways, so, you know, what's he going to do? Sit on a shelf? Yeah. You know, if you I put don't a have boat a... in the desert, that's still a, a pretty compelling set piece. <laughs> I'm going to play with it in the boss. I know, it reminds me of a certain miniseries. <laughs> yeah, Shipwreck. <laughs> he sailed across a, a desert ocean. That's Amore. Oh, wow. So, what did you get, Stephen? Have you gotten anything new? That's a moray? <laughs> yeah, not a, a boat hull. Um, I just want to to start by saying that G.I. Joburg receives packages from overseas. Gratefully received, with love, from people that have found us in the interwebs. Now, I never want the perception to exist in any of our listeners' minds that we are making out some kind of plea for uh gi joe stuff it's wonderful you're trolling for booty 
We are <laughs> no, not no, trolling we, we for Putin. We are trolling for Putin. That, that, I guess this is the point I'm trying to make. And, I, and I, I feel compelled to say this because I don't want anyone to ever feel pressurized to help us out in any way, shape or form. We do this because we fucking love it. Uh, this is our way of expressing our hobby, or at least it is for me. Uh, maybe the motivations differ for you, gents. But this is probably the, the purest way I can, as an adult, play with my action figures. It happens in my mind. It happens in conversation with my friends. And sometimes we even shoot YouTube reviews where we throw toys into oceans. But <laughs> the bottom line is I never want anyone out there listening to feel like, oh, oh, everyone's been sending stuff to the G.I. Joburg guys. Um, maybe I should send some stuff too. No, it's not like that at all. That said... I am supremely grateful to be the recipient of two cool packages from Friends Abroad. I got into the first in episode 90, but I'm going to talk about another figure from that cache that came from Greg Crocart. Tonight's figure is Psychart version 1. Yeah, man. Yeah. This blonde-haired dude with a loud, quilted jacket. He's got red dishes on his wrists. I mean, he's one crazy, crazy dude. His file card reads like an introduction to PsyOps for all of us. And let's face it, PsyCart's file card was that for all of us. It's like this figure needed a mission statement, at least the length of a file card, in order to convince buyers of this figure that he is indeed a valid military profession. There's very little about him as a character, and it mainly just describes the use of negative reinforcement. That if you convince an enemy that they have lost, and they believe that, that is the moment that your side has won and they have lost. Uh, the file card then goes on to illustrate an example, and this is the beauty of the file cards of the time. They operate on so many levels and were hell of a educational. It was speaking about a brand of cookie that is being marketed to you via radio or television or whatever. And next time you're in a supermarket, you, you walk through the cookie aisle and suddenly you have a craving because that brand is what's triggering your desire to... to or the advertising, I should say, is what's triggering your desire to purchase those cookies. So the advertisers have won and you have lost. And that is kind of chilling and, and very introspective for a child's toys, I don't know, write-up. It's, yeah, anyways, enough about the file card, more about the figure. He is, I mean, he's so wildly colored that he looks like he should belong to a subset. But he is actually the original issuance of this figure so it's it's crazy but as a 1987 figure and uh that year's figures were like never high up on my my buys list he looks very good operating one of the stations in the defiant or the mcc so he is absolutely essential and he's one handsome dude let's uh not lose sight uh. of the fact that he he rocks that 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 <laughs> blonde bob without any kind of head protection, just because it's just glam. He's like 80s aha pop band frontman. <laughs> uh, nicely said, because I was gonna say, and I've said this on an episode before, but I've always found psychic uh, psychic psychic. <laughs> I've always found that psychart version one psychart has a very similar likeness to that of Steve's. Money-earning visage. He looks a lot like Steve. 
I just gotta work on the blonde mop now. You know, I've got a dark haired version of which looks even more like Steve, right? <laughs> but Psychart is true. Steve, I am so glad that you did that figure because he is great. He's such a cool toy. Let me get in on that Psychart love. You reading that file card, dude, we could spend a whole conversation just on that file card. Because, I mean, like, dude, Psyops and War go all the way back to. I mean, like, dude, they had reports of, like, people dropping pamphlets on enemy soldiers saying, you know, these countries' dudes are sleeping with your women back in the day. Like, that stuff was was insane. Sun suit. <clears throat> yeah, nice. If the birds are in the air, there's there's people on the ground. Mm-hmm. Nice addition, regardless. Fascinating figure, and I'm glad I finally have him. No, it's interesting you brought up um, negative reinforcement. It, it makes me think of another example when um, someone recently mentioned uh, to, to, an, to an audience of a podcast that they shouldn't send figures and <laughs> to, to the people doing the podcast don't do that don't do that psych you out look there's people that run patron and all that you guys are just asking for plastic that's all <laughs> i mean but guys like seriously like for if reals I think we, we, for we real mind collection you know like all three of us all four of us put together we have basically everything um, well, we're getting there, and how cool is that? <laughs> like, honestly, like that is like a dream come true, and and that is something I would love. I hope our listeners are hearing. Like, the fact that we have all of these toys is actually just a dream come true. I mean, I'm actually considering doing small little like paint repairs on some of the figures I've received because I never want to sell my Joes because these are mine. You know, they've become mine, and they I, I have these sentimental connections to them. I go, I look at my Jinx, and I look at my plain shirt Duke, and I go, oh, cool, Greg Crocott sent me that. I have Outback that Jim sent me and a, and a Cobra flight pod. And it's just, I mean, not to mention the Terradrome, you know, and that's a really, really great feeling. But anyway, coming back to Psych Out, though, what a boring figure if you think about it for a kid. <laughs> like, like as a kid, you, I can imagine looking at that file card and going, what the actual, you know, does he do? You know, what 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 is what is like what is this this that they're talking about? What is what does he actually do? Like does he shoot rays that make people sad or or what is it, you know? But it's one of those toys that like as an adult I really appreciate. Like I, I, I appreciate Psych Out so much more now and he has very quickly become one of my sort of favorite toys, or at least one of my favorite toys of the now, especially my Tiger Force Psych Out. And I, I seem to find ways to insert him into different stories that I have going in, on in my head, my little GI Joe stories, you know, because we all have those. And yeah, I'm 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 just super happy Stevens finally got one because actually all this time I thought Steven had one. And the reason that I was actually keyed in on Psychart is actually it's Steven's fault. He mentioned something about Psychart, and then it just turned my changed my whole perception on Psychart, and I was like, oh cool, like I got to get me one of those. And, yeah, I know yeah. what it was. Anyway. I think in episode yeah. 13 of this podcast, we spoke about the OG 13 and reinventing them. Yes. Picking which figures worked and which figures, in hindsight, we'd prefer to insert. And Psychart was my 13th figure. He was the sort of the curveball figure. Ooh. I mean, some of us went as far as including Zartan, but whatever. As far as the original 13 Joes are concerned, I inserted Psychart because I wanted him to be the exclusive figure that came with the 1983 G.I. Joe HQ. For the simple reason that 
okay, as a figure, he doesn't fly off the pegs on his own. But as a character in a close-knit military unit, he is essential. Because he is your negotiator, you know, your talk-down man, because he's he's a brainy dude. He's a, he's a psychological profiler. He's a psychologist. He's also the kind of guy that you need to have on base uh, when taking an interrogation of an enemy troop. You need him behind the glass, yeah. weighing every word, examining every gesture made by whoever you're trying to, to, to pump for information. And as I say, I mean, he wouldn't really move as a single-carded figure, but as an inclusion with the 1983 HQ, not only is he an essential team member, but one that makes sense in a on-base scenario, even if it's as simple as just offering counseling to the other soldiers. Mm. He's your man. But uh, Larry Harmer always always had this um, fascination with uh, the idea of beaming paranoia waves at your enemies. And I think that is in some way explaining all these uh, parabolic mics and dishes that, and, and sort of communications rig that Psychart comes with. Because he is indeed a walking field test of this kind of paranoia inducement. And his headpiece might not actually be uh, a, 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 a sort of a receiver antenna at all. It might actually be hearing protection to allow him to operate this equipment without, in fact, inducing paranoia in himself. Think about that. Yeah, because it's not like the, these waves are going to be sympathetic to, to the good guys, you know what I mean? It's not like they're going to not oh, hurt yeah, the good gonna guys. It's going to go with an equal hand. <laughs> yeah. But that kind of makes him a very unique specialist because you're going to send him into the field basically as a lone operative. He's going to get behind enemy lines and perform his duties without any support. Yeah, man, I mean, he's he's a fascinating character, uh, uh, rather untapped potential as well. Not untapped. Not, Not untapped. untapped. Oh, okay. Why? Who's had a go at Psychots? Well, you know, me and Joburg Ally Strident did that uh, YouTube review. It's not dropped yet, but will in the near future. Also, parabolic is a fun word. Did I use it right? Uh, I know it is a long-range microphone, a parabolic mic. So, yeah, probably. It sounded correct. But I did mention that I had two contributors this time around that I'd like to, to throw props at. The other is old pen pal of mine, Scott Centafonti, who sent me, just out of the blue, a surprise box, a total grab bag of random goodness, like 15th anniversary Duke mixed with the comic pack Snake Eyes from the issue number two, where Snake Eyes comes up against Quinn. It's a cool O-ringer, that. Oh my goodness. It's like Snake Eyes version one's head on Snowjob's body, but painted up to be accurate to that comic book. And I reread the comic book the other night uh, with this figure in hand, and it is just sublime. It is like we were talking about beaming paranoia waves. Well, this comic was all the way as early as number two in the Marvel comic run was Larry Harmer's expose on this concept. It's just suspenseful. It's Quinn's introduction, the Eskimo, uh, and it features Snake Eyes in this terrific getup. Version 2 Stalker is the Tundra Ranger version, and that is a good shoe-in for the the Stalker that appears in that issue. Now we just need an Arctic 
Weather, Gear, Scarlet, and Breaker. Oh, man, it would be the coolest team. Scott also sent me some aquatic forces. Uh, I now have a Cobra Hydro Sled, <laughs> which <laughs> is... Um, it's like the cowcatcher on an old locomotive with two torpedoes hanging off it and a upsized eel gun in the front. I mean, this essentially is the same front end of uh, an eel's harpoon gun, double harpoon gun, uh, just upscaled and stuck on the nose of a vehicle. It's it's quite striking as that. But two divers lie side by side on this thing quite securely. It does float. And, hell, I guess it's just a fun a little mini insertion rig. Uh, it kind of takes... Now you get it. Well, it. do I? I don't know. Look, I mean, it's it's. It, I suppose it's very Cobra, uh, and you could have like a whole. Is it is it well sculpted? It's very well sculpted now. It has got a lot of texture. I'll give it that. The figures, right. as I say, All they're right. on there pretty securely. I can go like past ninety degrees, and they're still okay. No, I can't go past ninety degrees. But why would you go past ninety degrees? This thing would then flip. Uh, as far as flat-bottomed hulled boats go, it's 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 fine. It's it's very discreet. It rides quite low in the water. I imagine it can it can motor along quite quite quickly. It carries a lot of bite with the two torpedoes. It has got something that I didn't know naval craft had, and that's a trim tab. Now, my understanding of what a trim tab is, is that when you're flying an aircraft and You've got the th- the throttle up or down. I mean, depending on how much power you're giving to the engine is whether your plane's going to pitch up or pitch down. And in order to not, not have to fight it with the controls all the time, you set your trim tab, which is a little slat that sort of extends off the trailing edge of the wing surface, and you set that in either an up, down, or middle position, and that stops you from having to fight the controls the whole time. The controls then sort of stay in a neutral position, and you're 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 cruising at whatever power setting that you happen to be going at. Those aviators out there, uh, I hope you know what I'm talking about, because I suppose I've mystified absolutely everyone else. But what is the purpose of a trim tab on a boat? The answer is there is no purpose. This is just a fun little design affectation. I've seen that thing act as a submarine kind of thing, so. Could it work in that respect? Uh, as a rudder, or a, 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 I suppose an elevator. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe when you when you're gunning a boat, and the the nose has a tendency to rise, a trim tab could defeat that. Maybe by bringing it down. I don't know. I don't know. It's just <laughs> it's mystifying. But it's this extra little uh, movable piece that that hangs off the back of this this sled. Very mystifying. But yeah, absolutely, Cujo. The the textures are great. Shall we anticipate a review in the near future? <laughs> I need to get one more torpedo. Scotty sends me exactly what I want, which is like sometimes some beaters that need a little bit of love and a little bit of TLC, but that is fine by me because like I would never actively pursue a mint hydro sled personally. It would have to be something that I just either see and pick up out of, you know, someone's shoebox or something that uh, finds its way to me through the interwebs, uh, through the mail. So yeah, I can't I, I can't review it as is. But uh, yeah, certainly if I if I manage to complete it, yeah, I'll throw one up on the YouTube's. 
Uh, you'll be pleased to know, Cooge, that I got another small Cobra naval vessel, this being the Night Landing. Your favorite. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> it's fantastic. Well, I'm ha- I'm very happy you got the Cobra Hydra slid, if you don't mind my saying. Me too. Uh, I, it's, a whip, it's, it's a vehicle that gets a lot of my um, ridicule, because I know I throw a lot of shade at that thing. But I think it's one of those, when you have it, you'll find lots of cool uses for it. It's just getting to the having it part of the equation. <laughs> that is uh, a little bit tricky, you know, for, well, for me. in terms of getting to the having it part, I uh, thank you, Scott Centafonti. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. You beauty. So recently we got featured on Hooded Cobra Commander 788's YouTube channel as part of Cobra Convergence 2, which is a great big collaborative um, G.I. Joe reviewers uh, forum type (laughs) endeavor thing where we all all took part in this great little story, which is unfolding uh, weekly during the month of July and also then links into Cobra-themed reviews. And we, we, we were really nicely featured in episode two of Cobra Convergence on HCC 788's channel. Um, it came out, I think, last well, this, this last Sunday. Well, anyway, it, it's out on his channel. So go check it out if you, if you want to see um, the hijinks and the, the, the awesomeness of us acting it up. Um, and then <laughs> you can go and check out our C-Ray review, um, which we did as part of the Cobra Month, Cobra Convergence 2 event. Delicious. And see, <laughs> and see if you can figure out the code before the end of the month. And you'll know what I'm talking about when you check out the, the associated videos. Yeah, so just search HCC 788 Cobra Convergence 2 Episode two, and you'll get to see us. You can watch episode one as well. We're in there a little bit, and it helps flesh out the story. Um, yeah, so that was a lot of fun, and the CRA review is pretty awesome as well. Um, if I do say so myself, I helped helped out. I mean, we all helped out, so that's pretty cool. Um, I got to go to the ocean and to a river in winter. It was very cold. Go and check all of that stuff out. And the sea ray is awesome. I got cold and wet for that review, so I hope you appreciate it. <laughs> Has anyone seen uh, any of the other contributors' videos? FormBX257 did the 1991 Cobra Commander. Then we did the second. We were followed one week later, or just under a week later, by Strident. He did the Cobra Paraviper, modern era figure, so good on him. And then hot on the heels of Strident was... Timmer, half the battle Timmer, uh, our friend from Belgium, who did the Cobra Viper pilot. So have you guys checked out the other uh, episodes in the series? I'm going to Game of Thrones it, as in I'll wait for all the episodes to come out, and then I'll do it in one shot. Very good. Yeah, I'm like that. I mean, I watched hours to make sure... Okay, so this is going to be embarrassing, but I actually watched hours just to show my mom. <laughs> I'm so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I got the eye roll and the laugh, and uh, that's nice. G.I. <laughs> Joeberg, family appropriate. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, I haven't honestly checked them. Like, Game of Thrones, it, you know, so no spoilers, peeps. Um, cool. But you can still watch the reviews. They're pretty good so far. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I want to check out. I want to check out the Paraviper review because that is a modern era figure I actually really dig, despite the fact that you can't really pose it, and do too much with it. I just love the fact that it exists. 
So I'm going to totally check that out. I've got to be honest and say, in general, I don't watch uh, reviews of toys unless they're our reviews. <laughs> our opinions are the ones that matter the most. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's it's interesting to see other people's takes on on that kind of like how they approach um, reviewing figures, and it's refreshing, I find, um, to hear other people's thoughts. Yeah, man. Have you have you seen them? Oh yes, I, I did. I, uh, I I I'd like to applaud fellow G.I. Joe YouTube contributors for flying the flags high. It's very fun to be mixed into this, this I suppose, community with you guys. I'm also very intrigued at our different approaches. It's evident that no one has influenced each other in so much as, as we are, are duplicating each other's efforts. In spite of the, the subjects of our reviews often being the same things, we have such incredibly varied approaches, like chalk and cheese, night and day, which is wonderful. If you hit G.I. Joe review, you're going to be hit with, you know, very cool, nicely photographed studio condition stills of toys posed very seductively with that man's incredible voice. Yes, I'm talking about you, Strident, talking about, like, badass shit and how cool this figure is and how well it weaves into your collection. You're going to get extremely well-researched and very, very, very detailed reviews with, with the subjects looking absolutely minty fresh and telling you absolutely everything you need to know about this figure from guys like FormBX257. You get an intriguing take from the other side of the pond, that being from Europe, uh, and very, once again, very well-researched and damn funny uh, work coming from Half the Battle, Timmer. And the man who brought us all together, Form BX257, is fast becoming like Mr. G.I. Joe. He's, he is, well, he might be called Hooded Cobra Commander, but he is Mr. G.I. Joe. And he's a great, great pusher of the community and an extremely learned, well-researched and, like, sharp mind when it comes to reviewing. So it's it's such an honor to actually, like, take a place on the podium next to these guys. So, yeah, exciting times for G.I. Joburg. I watched a couple of the reviews, at least partially. I am interested in the, in the Strident review. Uh, but, like, I mean, all of us are getting to know the G.I. Joe community. And, and cheers to uh, HCC for kind of being the catalyst. Dude, but he acts kind of like the Adam West of the G.I. Joe community. Like we gotta we gotta chat that guy up in Joburg sometime just to see what's going on. Yeah, man. But I like it. I'll, I'll talk a little bit of GI Joe culture. No, no fireballs today. But I do want to bring up the cover artist for the current GI Joe comic series on IDW. Uh, I believe his name is John Royal. Uh, you you might have that name down better than I do, Robert. I don't know. But he's from England. Uh, just getting to know the GI Joe brand. Uh, chatted him up. Maybe he'll be on Joburg in the near future. But uh, he's doing some dynamic cover work, maybe the most since Mike Zek. Maybe maybe throw your your opinions at me uh, on Twitter. Um, and, and we have an opportunity since we're talking hand to hand fighting with ninjas and whatnot. Oh, uh, we have an opportunity to be nice to uh to the uh, Crown Jewel. Uh, I believe if you're looking for an entry point to that comic. Quick Kick and Snake Eyes are about to have a big brawl. I guess like a, a, a comic long brawl. So if, if you're looking for that matchup, maybe keep your eyes peeled. But that brings us to 
maybe some of the best GI Joe throwdowns. I'll, I'll go through a little some that people have dropped on us on Twitter, and then maybe you guys can weigh in with your favorite GI Joe fist fight or punch up. Or I'll start out with one of our uh, oldest friends, um, Cabal, down in San Diego. What's up, brother? He says that uh, Flint's, uh, Flint's kind of brawling status as he jumps into a group of, a group of eels is up there. Um, you guys got any thoughts on that? Rod Wiggum style. Doesn't he actually, like, throw himself headfirst at them? He does. <laughs> oh, man. Like... Flint, for all intents and purposes in that issue, is the Man of Steel. He's even got, like, the dark Jerry Curl-style hair up front and throwing himself into a gaggle of eels like that. I mean, these guys, they are razor-sharp in more, more ways than one. I mean, they are trained within an inch of their life, literally, because if you don't make it as an eel, you probably don't survive training. And they are... Stealth weapon specialists, so they are carrying blades. I mean, to throw yourself into that kind of combat unarmed, you're going to get cut. You're going to get cut to ribbons. <laughs> <laughs> so Flint is the man. And, I mean, it, it's a no-brainer. Well, slow, that... slow your roll, brother. We got more fights to go through. Well, it's it, it makes complete sense that Dave would nominate that fight because we all know Dave Cabal reps Flint big time. He's your boy, right, Dave? Yes. So, yeah, man, mad props. That's that's a very cool fight. Well, we also got people like Dragon Fortress who mentioned Zartan versus Ripcord. You might remember the Zet cover with Zartan about ready to pop an arrow in somebody's head. You guys have any comments on that? I recall it went through a great number of stages, which is what's so cool about that fight. You know, a good fight shouldn't just be a, a, a knuckle-up brawl. It should start out as it did in that fight as a sniper duel, except one of them is carrying a compound bow. At night, being stealthy, I mean, Zartan has every advantage in terms of his stealth, because he has got the camouflage function, or ability, but he opts to use a rather low-tech weapon, because it's, it's quieter. Uh, that balanced with... Uh, Ripcord's FN, which is a long-range rifle, battle rifle, uh, has good standoff range, good reliability. So they're fighting in this kind of sniper duel, and ultimately it boils down to a fist fight in the mud, where one shall stand and one shall fall. And the whole time there's this great snappy patter going throughout it, because, I mean, that was just Harmer's style, I guess his way of doing comic book writing and military realism mixed in with fantasy. It is a terrific sequence. And as I said, said. notable for not being just straight up fighting uh, hand to hand and a cool twist. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, Merck had to weigh in. He says the, the cat fight versus lady J and Zorana. Did that one do anything for you guys? That got some heat from the Facebook as well. I'll have, you know, Incredible. I didn't know your Facebook game was together like that. Oh, dude, (laughs) I try and mirror your Twitter game on Facebook all the time, baby. Nicely done. Robert, what say you? Ah, My my memories of things are are so terrible. Just just the image of it in my head sounds like it must have been really good. (laughs) Well, I remember looking at the cover when I was a kid, and somebody was pinching somebody's nose or grabbing somebody's nose, and I was just like, that's not right. All right, of course... (laughs) 
we have we kind of have route one with jugger grim but respectable you got to go with the reoccurring storm shadow and snake guys nicely done when i think about fist fights when you're thinking cartoons maybe spirit and storm shadow that one near Ooh, waterfall say in that, that, waterfall. Was de- that was a decent one um mm. i also since we're going to be talking ninjas in a bit slice and dice versus snake eyes inside of a uh snow-capped mountain that was pretty good um but people that can write good tension always got me so the cobra series where chuckles and big boa go fighting in the uh, cobra mess hall there's a great build-up because you see how powerful big boa is and what he's been through but you're riding with chuckles the whole series so you're kind of like you know that you know that moment's coming up they that they uh they let it go for a couple issues. And when it goes down, it does not disappoint. You know, I, I won't blow that for you if you haven't read it. But when I think about just good fist fights, I'm thinking about Chuckles and Big Boa. I am a fan of the Blind Master and Zartan. Uh, and it's not like a terribly like epic battle. It's just Zartan is so accomplished and yet the Blind Master still schools him. And then still lectures him. And then Zartan confesses everything and blind master dies if i'm not mistaken but and, and, and you just feel takes like, his place we gave it away dude yeah <gasps> i mean shit you know if you haven't read it folks you should read it and you know what you're gonna forget it anyway and then read it and be like oh my god but uh i love that because i thought the stakes were, were pretty high it was a very sort of intellectual battle if, if that makes sense uh you <laughs> The outcome was actually disappointing in the sense that it was like, that's life. Like, shit like that happens. It just added to Zartan's tragic character. It was it was one of those moments where Zartan could have almost turned into, maybe not a good guy, but it could have had him change his ways completely. Well, I believe that's the upshot of that, that battle. Zartan decides to turn over and you leave. Mm. But the way he does it is still wrong, <laughs> if you know what I mean. It's like... Yeah, you know. taking the blind master's place. Exactly. I mean, it's still a Zartan thing to do. It's not. It's not like a new him. It's like when somebody has been a criminal all their lives, or has stolen all of their lives, and then turns over a new leaf, decides not to steal, but then instead runs like you know schemes, you know, like scams and stuff like that, like online scams. It's like you're still no, reverting to criminal no. behavior. He kills the blind master. Spoiler. And then assumes the blind master's identity so that he could escape his past and become, you know, escape the, the, the tensions of G.I. Joe and Cobra and all the ninjas that are trying to kill him. So it's like being released from prison and then going on to be the chief of police, you know? Yeah. You're yeah. like, I, I'm going to uh, yeah. run away from my evil ways by assuming the mantle of the good guy or the protector of other people. That was just like the Cliff's Notes of American politics right there. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Okay, so Facebook says, uh, this comes from Terry Turner. Uh, He really enjoyed Roadblock kicking Storm Shadow's ass. (laughs) Yeah, man. It's nice to see that the ninjas aren't completely unassailable and that brute strength, you knock a guy flat, it doesn't matter whether he's proficient in 12 styles of martial arts uh you know you hit him with enough that force, still he hurts yeah he ain't getting up and roadblock is the guy to deliver such an ass kicking the problem with roadblock is the same problem when you're playing shirts and skins 
one dude is super sweaty. You don't even want to be near that guy. So you're probably going to lose. <laughs> Daddy was super sweaty in the fight in question. I mean, it was taking place uh, in the snowbound Rocky Mountains, I think. You'd be surprised how much you sweat in snow. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. Oh, oh Rob. <laughs> Rob's new novel, Threading in the Snow, available in stores soon. <laughs> Thomas Nilsson also had love for the Lady J versus Zorana battle at the end of the Cobra Island Civil War. That, that's like an early fetish qualifier. Totally. <laughs> nice one, Thomas. There have been artworks inspired by this particular fight where the clothes are basically falling off of the combatants. <laughs> the troops are still yeah. cheering, by the way. Oh, they're yeah. cheering even harder. Like, there is, there is cash uh, exchanging hands between G.I. Joe and Cobra at that point. Who says there's no perks for being silver good? Thank you. <laughs> Jim Godfrey chimed in with uh, the fight that the soft master has cracking skulls down at the Springfield Police Department. Oh, yeah. And how you don't see the initial melee. You're left to visualize yourself the kind of carnage that the soft master dishes out on these pseudo coppers. Again, kudos, Mr. Homer. I would say that more often than not, you see the implied action. That just goes to show you what Hama's up to. Mm-hmm. Hama's great. I, I think guys from Hama's era of comic art, uh, they were drawing so many books, there were so few of them, and they weren't getting paid that well, that they were always finding creative ways to, to draw a battle scene uh, in a funny book. You couldn't have like panels and panels and panels of fighting and, and fisticuffs because it gets tiring. You know, when you have to do like five pages of G.I. Joe in Brother, a week don't get and me five pages of Spider-Man and yeah. So, don't do it. yeah. Magnus Lauglo nominates Storm Shadow and Jinx taking on the Red Ninjas and Zartan. And that's got to be the second silent issue, right? Uh, I remember that, but I don't remember it being a silent issue. Yeah, the one set in Storm Shadow's dojo. Is it his dojo? Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, that, oh, that was yeah. A... Okay, yes, yes, yes. In New York. Yeah. I, I don't know of if that course, works yes. just because it's like a burly brawl. We're looking for one-on-one combat. Fair enough. But that is, that, is a good, that is a good fight. A <laughs> buddy from the Philippines, Robert Kalupitan, he really digs special missions number 24, which was the gag special missions, which was written by... Uh, Herb Trimpey, in fact, who did most of the pencils on special missions. <laughs> it's the one where the GI girls are like, they start out as cheerleaders at the ball game, and the Cobras are trying to abduct the President of the United States from his presidential box. Oh my goodness. So, I mean, that issue features the girls winning by, by batting a smoke grenade into a Cobra-operated blimp that's hanging over the stadium. Uh, it features uh, one of Raptor's <laughs> birds getting turned into mincemeat by getting thrown into the, the said blimp's um, <laughs> turbine. I mean, it's just... It's a, it's a loony, loony issue. But uh, the cover does have Jinx kicking the tar out of the battle-suited Cobra Commander, who we know is, in fact, not Cobra Commander at all. But I presume that that is the moment uh, he would like to nominate because actually the cover art takes place almost line for line in the issue jinx does that exact kick i like if that i'm recalling correctly yeah man 
I suppose that's a time saving time saving measure when your your uh, your issues artist and writer and cover artist is the same guy. Let's not forget to mention the one brawl that I really love, um, but it is from the animated series, or well, not from the Sunbow animated series. Well, one of them is. Let's not forget um, Sergeant Slaughter's uh, little bash in with uh, what's his face with Nemesis Enforcer. That was a goodie. Oh. I love that. And then uh, Storm Shadow Snake Eyes face off in Resolute. That was a goodie. I saw somebody mention that as well, but I've lost that tweet since. That was definitely a good one, too. Well, that, that's probably enough for the fisticuffs. I think it's time to get into episode 91's Definitive Sculpt. Would anyone like to intro this particular character? Well, I know you guys have said in, in previous episodes that this character is rich with detail, especially in V1. I guess I'll kick the proceedings off, maybe throw a wild card out there. Uh, I have a lot of respect for Scarlet. The, the, the first character is, is obviously the most memorable one. And we were just mentioning, or I just mentioned uh, that, that cover artist, uh, John, John Royal. And if I'm, if I'm jacking that name up, apologies, brother. But he just did a uh, cover with Scarlet in a, uh, a Scarlet in her V1 uh, wetsuit fighting some eels. And somebody got in the tweets and, and they said, why, you know, why is she still in her uh, her costume? She should be in a wetsuit. And he actually got in the tweets and said that he just wanted to use it as a visual qualifier. So I'll throw that out as a passive question to you guys. Uh, when it comes to Joe Art, do you need them in their aesthetic to identify them or do you like it when they're tactical? And, and I'll let you answer that when you get to yours. But for me, uh, and this is a personal taste pick, I'm going to go Scarlet V10. And here's why. I spent a considerable chapter of my life working in the nightlife. I've seen a lot of go-go boots in my day. And I just like the look. Um, <laughs> uh, no, no, I mean, tastefully, it's a cool look. So that's kind of what this character brings to me. Um, she's got some tasteful accessories. She's got a crossbow and a side piece. And honestly, the uh, card art is one of the better card arts I've seen. Some great lighting work coming from the left. And... Just her pose is accessible to, to the person looking at it. Yeah, great artwork. Great figure for me. So I'll, I'll kick the proceedings off with V10. Okay. V10. Rob, Steve, you guys going to weigh in? I'm, I'm not going to say that I, I love the, the sculpting on the figure. And honestly, characters that don't have O-rings, actually, this is, this is a conversation for when Plastic Battles gets back on uh, or comes back into Joburg. But he mentioned in the tweets that an O-ring is like a character's soul. I never really ever thought about it that way. But he's like, the new era figures don't have a soul. you know. And, and it kind of makes sense because O-rings are kind of like hips. If you can't move your hips, then what are you? But yeah, that's what I'm going to go with, V10. Hmm, as your definitive Scarlet. The one that yeah. best defines Scarlet to you. Uh, I mean, it's situational, but I'm just going to, I, I want to go wild card on this one. Hmm. Isn't she uh, a pilot in that iteration? She's got her hair Correct. up so she can wear that helmet. Indeed. Right on, man. Cool. And you're right about the card arts. It's it adds a new dimension to the to the character. Uh, we never we never knew what her secondary military specialty was. I guess it's always been pilot. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Her catchphrase on the or, or what's her catchphrase on the the V1 card? But her, her, her catchphrase on the, the later card art, or I'm sorry, the, the later uh, file cards, 
beauty may be only skin deep, but lethal goes clean to the bone. That's a road pig ripoff. So shame on you, foul card. I do, I do like V1's foul card better. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid I'm going to have to also go with a soulless figure on this one as a definitive. Uh, V1 will forever be a, a, quite a magical figure. It is a female action figure in a toy line for boys, uh, depicting a strong individual who is a competent soldier who just happens to be a woman. It's like she was never posited as the sexy soldier, any kind of uh, impropriety that was hurled her way by the other soldiers was quickly shot down and and, and in a very believable uh, way. She didn't take nobody's shit. She was the consummate soldier, as I say, who happened to be a female. That said, she came in a signature look. They didn't decide to put her in green uh, uniform, which is an interesting and, and controversial choice, the fact that she still had to look different and girl-like in this kind of unitard. But it's easily explained away as assisting her in fulfilling her function. I mean, we talk about Snake Eyes as, like, some kind of badass ninja master, but Scarlet was right up there with him in issue one, operating as the commando team, which got inside the castle and secured Lady Doomsday in anticipation of the main assault element's arrival. So she definitely hauls her weight. And in one of my favorite issues of the original comic book run, issue nine, she is... Like, James Bond mixed with Black Widow, mixed with Captain America. I mean, she is the the, the uber-spy uh, sleuth-slash-action hero who happens to be a female. But I've got to stray away from V1 on this one because it has, as an action figure, shortcomings that later iterations of this character managed to overcome. And I'm going to nominate, in its place... 25th anniversary version one the one that came in the original 25th anniversary gi joe five pack that figure is perfection with one caveat (laughs) you need to shave her crotch you need to shave her crotch you need to give her the range of motion that she always should have had the ability to sit with her legs at 90 degrees because i appreciate what the sculptors tried to do in giving her the full uh, leotard, so you had the tan bit and the purple bit on the inner thigh, but if you shave that purple bit away, you're left with freedom of motion that is every G.I. Joe figure's God-given rights. <laughs> she doesn't have as many sculpted details as the original. She doesn't have the catapult. She doesn't have the little explosive device. She does have the throwing stars, and I believe she has the sculpted knife. She's got a pistol, which now is a separate molded piece that uh, slings nicely on her hips, and very fashionably so. You can kind of tilt it off to one side, have it hanging quite low on the one side and and quite high on the other. Very cool uh, detail, that. And she has got the perfect face. It's beautiful. It's simple. It's kind of cartoon-like, anime-like in a way. You know, the big eyes quite um, smooth uh, plastic and and a pointed chin, but it is coquettish and beautiful, yet dangerous. And it's got a ponytail, which 
in so many versions of Scarlet we've needed, we've cried out for. I mean, in the first one, we were denied it. In her second version, the Ninja Force version, she had a very attractive head sculpt. Too bad it was married to that awful, awful body. So yes, we finally, in 2007, got the Scarlet we always needed. And she's got great articulation, man. If you can get past the, the, the crotch shaving, she's able to do a two-handed pistol grip, which is something that very few other action figures can achieve. Modern era notwithstanding. A two-handed pistol grip? Yeah, Scarlet's got it down. And that is why she, version 1, 25th anniversary. Uh, for those of you looking at Yojo, I guess it would be version 8. Version 8. 2007. Oh. Mm. Mm. Gorgeous. Well, version Fantastic. 9 is a repaint. But version 8 is the original. No, version 9 is funny looking. Oh, she's got a raised sculpted smoke grenade. Yeah, no, perfection. Beautiful. I wish she had the, the, the detonator, the, the, the derringer pistol on the inside of the gauntlet. That would have been amazing. But as it is, it's a very clean, clinical, beautiful figure. It does what it needs to do. Nicely hidden articulation in the wrists. Two-handed pistol grip. Beautiful face. Beautiful figure. Oh! Gorgeous, gorgeous. She makes me love 25th anniversary style again. Like, if there's one figure that, that pulls me away from a vintage O-ring love, it's that figure. So she has to be my definitive Scarlet. Her hair is best there. Okay. Mm. I'm, I'm going to weigh in, which gives... Uh... Which puts Rob in the, in the fun position of being able to, you know, be that guy. <laughs> okay, so... I'm going to preface this by saying that I really, really love Scarlet as a character. I always have. Um, she's one of those standout characters for me. I, I dig a strong woman. I, I dig a strong female lead. All female characters support or lead or otherwise. Um, Scarlet was never just written as as a guy that was shaped as a woman, if I can put it that way. You know, when so many female characters were exactly that, they were just male energy put in the female form uh scarlet was always very much a, a woman without having to carry on about rah-rah girl power i mean they did that a lot in the cartoon granted but that was just because that was a cartoon in the 80s but in the comic book it was never by like oh i can beat you up because uh, i'm a girl or anything stupid like that so she was always very cool and very subtle in that regard kind of um princess leia-ish uh, dare I say, you know, Princess Leia-ish qualities are in Scarlet, which makes Scarlet awesome. Anyway, so for me, the perfect Scarlet figure hasn't really been made yet. And that's not because I have a, a, a bar that's been set too high. It's just that I think we've had such great re-releases of figures like Destro, uh, Duke, uh, Snake Eyes, Cobra Commander, etc. But we haven't had an amazing Scarlet yet. And that's kind of sad because we were meant to get a City Strike Scarlet, which I think was pretty much on the money, but it never happened. Anyway, so out of the best of the bad lot, uh, and before I announce my absolute favorite figure out of the Scarlet, current Scarlet releases, I am going to mention that if I could, I would like a Scarlet version 13 with a, Scar a Scarlet version 8 head. That would be more of a definitive Scarlet for me. But out of all of these bad girls, I gotta say, Scarlet version eight for me as well. Uh, she hits all the height, all the right notes. Uh, the diaper crotch, as Steve mentioned, is a bit of a bummer, 
but everything else follows form. And if you're lucky and you get it with a good uh, paint job on the face and the, and the eyes, you've got yourself a very good looking Scarlet that does feel a little bit spindly um, in terms of the articulation, having only, you know, the knees are limited and all that, but it maintains an aesthetic, which is very feminine and, uh, you know, keeps in with Scarlet's swagger. I will say that Cujo's version 10 is a damn good choice. Uh, it is a figure that I still don't have in my collection for I don't know why or what reason, because that is also a damn good Scarlet toy. And version 13 would have been my absolute number one pick, but in hand, I'm sorry, but that face is not good. For those of you scratching your heads, version 8 is the 25th anniversary, version 10 is Pilot Scarlet in blue, and version, this next one is the Resolute. 13 is the Resolute, yeah. Uh, I mean, she's got everything. I mean, the modern aesthetic for the uniform and all that is great. It's just the face sculpt is meh. And she also is missing some of the key features that version 8, uh, or should I say Sunbow Scarlet has. Uh, modern era Sunbow Scarlet. Uh, I don't know, just... I resent that. <laughs> oh, modern era modern era comic Scarlet. Okay, let's oh, roll She's 25th uh, anniversary Scarlet. She came yeah, in that, yeah. that commemorative set. She's part of the yes, tip yeah. of the spear that then gave rise to this modern era debacle of repaints. But back then, those original five Joes and original five Cobras, that was it, man. Those were those were the G.I. Joe reimagined. It was a very exciting time. And coming back to something Kujo asked, do I need to have Scarlet in her original outfit for it to be Scarlet? No. And I kind of love that about G.I. Joe, that you don't have to do that. And I'm glad that they've experimented with that with some of the, the, the modern era releases. Because it's great, especially with modern era. I've got all these great outfits for Scarlet. God, now I sound like a Barbie collector. But anyway, I've got all this cool tactical gear for Scarlet. I can just pop the head off and put Scarlet on the movie version or pop Scarlet onto the um, camouflage fatigue version. And, you know, so I've, I've got a different... You know, I've, I've got different Scarlet uniforms for different missions. So I suppose that's where we're lucky with Modern Era. Scarlet version 14 is, for me, a, a heck of a miss. Uh, there's so much wrong with that toy. Um, it's made exceptionally well. It's got fantastic sculpt. It's just, I just don't love the character design. <laughs> but anyway, my definitive is version 8, 25th is, anniversary is that Scarlet. Renegades Scarlet? That's the Renegades one, yeah. She's got something cool, but ultimately she's not cool. <laughs> it's like she's a great person to play with. I just hate the color scheme that they use. I hate the actual outfit. I I just I I mostly hate that toy, and I don't want to because yeah, because I love the show. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, that's me, which leaves Rob to upset the apple cart or not. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting that that everyone after this point has chosen modern era versions of this this character. It's um, a GI Joe book first. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 interesting, but what I think though is that in the original thirteen, there were two characters that that I think paved the way for the diversity of of costumes and different types of characters and whatever else that came after the original line when like 
In the original line, everyone was in the identical soldier gear except for Scarlet and Snake Eyes. They stood out. They were different. And from there, the Jaja toys, they expanded and they, they gave them all different outfits. It was like, we are still a military unit, but we don't have to all look the same. You know, we can have our own cool outfits. And the original cool outfit is version one Scarlet. It's awesome. She's a woman, but she doesn't have to look like a woman. <laughs> Which I think some people... <laughs> What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think at the time they struggled with sculpting a feminine figure, which is obviously they wanted a female figure in the line, but they also didn't want to move too far away. They didn't want to make a very unique sculpt that they couldn't maybe use later. Hmm. The irony being that sculpt was never reused within the classic A Real American Hero line. It was repainted a lot, though. <laughs> no, but never... Within within 82 to 94, that sculpt never saw reuse. Which is a pity, yeah. because, like, if they could retool it, uh, they could have added a better head sculpt, and bam, it would have been a perfect Scarlet. Which mm. they kind of tried to do with the, uh, with the comic pack uh, version, which I believe is uh, version 4, 2005, but... Oh, they never, they never improved upon the head. Mm-hmm. No, they didn't. They just made it really small. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry, yeah, Rob. It just doesn't work. I, I still think she looks awesome. Um, she may not have, you know, a super ponytail, like because that's really important. But she has beautiful red hair, and she has so many details, which I mean, Stephen has really gone through. Um, she, she still has that little gun on her right wrist, and she has a little catty. I mean, it's brilliant. She's she can do anything. <laughs> and I think she's feminine enough. I mean, they've they've done some nice sculpting on the legs. I mean, they kind of taper a bit more than a man's would. You know, she's got um, she's got a little high heels, or like part heels, certain degree. And the cool thing is that she's the not fact a that huge you don't breasted know woman. Is actually a good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she's not a huge breasted woman as well. Like you know, like they actually exercised restraint. When they were like, what cup size should we give this woman in our line? Oh, oh, you'd give her the biggest. You know, and it's like, <laughs> someone else is like. It's an American know. toy, not a Japanese one, brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's true. Made in um, Hong Kong. Hmm. I, I have I have just a little bit of scarlet cleavage to discuss. Um, her tiny head era, you know, that, that paint scheme they have down her chest is quite eye-catching. Huh. Um, maybe you can find that but I, I will say this you guys talking about you know function over over sex like I agree um, and I think that's best noted in in the writing of the file cards where it says stuff like you know you don't think somebody so deadly or you know somebody so beautiful could be so deadly you know so it's it's talking character traits not not physical traits and I like that and also I think Go it's telling Hama. that yeah I think it's also telling that uh you know, I believe it says she has three older brothers. If you ever met a girl that has three older brothers, she's tough. I yeah, like and not only did she have three older brothers, but her father and her three older brothers were all martial arts instructors. <laughs> Intense. And, yeah. and and knowing somebody who actually, knowing somebody like that personally, I can tell you now, you don't fuck with that woman. She will kill you. Okay, I know. Um, Easy, brother. In the Easy. school that I trained. Yeah. Sorry, man. I'm just saying, like, 
in our school, I mean, maybe I've mentioned my sifus to you guys um, in conversations, but the sifus have a sister, and she's not sifu level or anything. She's she's also trained for a significant part of her life, and she is scary, man. If she takes you for a class or if you've upset her, you know, and she is scary. She will kill you. <laughs> And that's if they don't kill you first. But anyway, yeah. So Scarlet, I can I can definitely vouch for Scarlet. Yeah, Scarlet being in a martial arts family. She's <laughs> brilliant. And of course, I think we mentioned before, on her fine card, one of the many weapons that she's qualified with, she's qualified with a garrote. <laughs> Which I suppose now doesn't suggest anything towards her secondary specialty. You know, I think we once... once um, well, it's easy to pull a trigger... When you, when it gets that visceral, then you know you got a killer. Yeah, that's it's crazy. That's stone She's cold. As qualified man. as anyone else, and even even more so, um, which makes her just really really cool. The ultimate ninja. She's suited for wet work. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. That's actually not bad, Paul. <laughs> I think the most heinous crime perpetrated by the Deke animated series was reducing Scarlet's role to a girly girl yeah i shit you not in the episode entitled the channel scarlet is more concerned with shopping in london than cobra she becomes (laughs) a namby pamby little bitch who wants to run duke's credit card at every shop on oxford street and it is it is appalling to see her her legacy sullied like that her legacy of mm. toughness and coolness <laughs> under fire and being the, the, the consummate soldier female. It's, yeah, it's yeah, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's heartbreaking. I mean, I, I'm a Deke uh, defender, but I, I <laughs> hang my head in shame uh, in that episode. And it's not the only time she is made out to be, you know, pathetic. Like Not, a, not everybody gets G.I. Joe, dude. No, tragically. Tragically, you know, in, in, in and around the same period in the comic books where her, her Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow were uh, conducting clandestine missions deep inside the Cobra Consulate building in New York, she was being the butt of the fucking joke Objectified. in the series. Yeah, yeah. In the same company. I mean, she's in an episode with Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes, and she's like slowing them down, which is... Tragic. Ridiculous. It shouldn't be that way at all. I'm, mm. I'm kind of surprised Paul didn't tweak us with Ninja Force Scarlet, which may serve as a transition. Oh, dude, I I would kill for a fully posable Ninja Force Scarlet that didn't cost me $70. Thank you, Collectors Club. <laughs> I would certainly kill for that toy. Make no mistake. V2's pretty from the neck up. <laughs> yeah. Rooted hair for the win. That is a great, great addition. But yes, it's time to segue. Ninja Force! The Joes lose again, Scarlet! You're the one that just rolled Snake Eyes! It's the G.I. Joe Ninja Force with real ninja moves! Pierce Snake Eyes on the Ninja Lightning with thunder missiles and zip strip speed! And now Joe and Cobra Ninja Raiders Ginsu and Red Ninja spring into action in their own fast attack vehicles with a ninja surprise! G.I. Joe Ninja Lightning and Ninja Figures sold separately. Ninja Raiders come with exclusive figures available in May. Oh, we need that goal to build our ultimate weapon! Guys, we are going to talk Ninja Force. But first, I think it's important 
for us each to give some idea of when ninjas became a thing in our G.I. Joe experience. For me, it had nothing to do with Mutant Turtles. I was into ninjas long before that, and long before I ever knew of a Storm Shadow version 1, who for all intents and purposes was the true birth of the ninja in G.I. Joe. Because, you know, Snake Eyes version 1 might have alluded to martial arts on his file card, but he came with an Uzi and a purse. There was no sword. Storm Shadow was the beginning of Pajama-Rama, Whamabama. <laughs> but for me, it started with Ice Viper. Okay? Ice Viper might have been the driver of the Cobra Wolf, but he wore a balaclava and he came with a pair of size. So as far as I was concerned, this was Snow Ninja. In a time before I had any ninja figurines, before I knew the lore of Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes, and any of the backstory involving martial arts, I clamored for figures that closely resembled ninjas. Where did I get this from? Clearly ninjas was a big thing, a big cultural touchstone to my seven-year-old brain. Even at that point, with no prior knowledge of Ninja's place in G.I. Joe. So, when it came time for the Ninja Force to be readily available on Toy Pigs, I lapped it up. I was young enough to be able to freely ignore the departures in articulation in favor of action features and gimmickry, which, as a child... I had no real place for, you know, action features, unfortunately for the more discerning toy uh, fan, never really hit home. They never hit their mark. I never got any joy out of that stuff. But then again, it never detracted either, because these were the figures that I wanted. And it's very easy to see why. Because... These swift and silent ninja commandos are the true elite forces for G.I. Joe and Cobra. Each ninja warrior is fully capable of neutralizing an adversary in milliseconds with his spring action, martial arts moves, and lethal weapons. Guys, as a child, I hung on every single printed word on the card backs. The file cards were one thing, but these little blurbs gave me the impression that these six individuals... Each one, individually, was capable of silently neutralizing my entire G.I. Joe or Cobra army. These guys were all of a sudden rocketed almost into the, the place of superheroes. They were capable of rendering my entire fighting force completely inert in seconds, milliseconds, whatever the hell that might be. I thought they were nanoseconds. Never mind. So how could they not be the coolest action figures I had ever possessed? These were the guys that came with me on road trips. All I needed were my ninjas. I put them in a shoebox and off I went. They would be able to have enormous brawls amongst themselves. They were very low tech. They didn't need helicopters and tanks and planes. All I needed were these figurines. And they could go on adventures. They were very video game inspired at the time. Uh, they had cloth elements and rooted hair elements. So they had a great sense of motion to them. So me and two or three friends could just 
throw down at any given mo- moment's notice. The fact that they came with rather generic and poorly colored uh, accessories also wasn't a big issue for me because, hell, these guys were at their best when they were hand-to-hand, not a weapon in sight. Leaping off buildings and doing combat mid-flight. So, Ninja Force, this is my love letter to you. I was really swept up in the magic. I think a hater should go next. Rob, Cujo? (laughs) Robert, how do you break on this one? I mean, I don't see how you can hate ninjas, though. (laughs) I think... He passed the test. (laughs) Weapons trees, brother. Weapons trees. I think a lot of people... uh, Weapons trees and neon. But, I mean, that, that, that looking... At, at, you know, as as we have now at the 90s, a lot of the time, like the, especially the later 90s things, it really is about the figure. I mean, the, the weapons were so generic. Um, and the thing is with, like, ninjas, they, you know, it's cliche, but they're the weapon. And whether, you know, their sword looks super unique or looks, you know, the same as everyone else's, that doesn't matter either. And that, that's what, that. yeah. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, like a sword, a weapon is a—they're the weapon. So whatever they're using is just no, an extension I, I, I of mean, what I they disagree. are. I mean, I disagree. I disagree with that. <laughs> but I mean, I don't mean to interrupt you, sorry, Robert. No, no, that's fine. How do you disagree, Cooch? Come on, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, that—that that was part of my problem, and I—I'm I, not going to go into it just because I'll, I'll end up railroading what. What Rob's doing? Oh, but... <laughs> you always say I'm not going to get into it. I'm not... We want you to get into no, it. He is we going want... to okay. get into it. But... Art is important to me, as is is many. But when you look at when you look at how the Ninja Force was packaged, they didn't even go through the trouble of punching the weapons out of the plastic mold. Like that doesn't work for me because where's the disbelief? You know, how do I invest myself? You know, in or uh, Im- imaginatively. So. I, I do like specialized blades. Like, if you're going to give somebody a blade, I kind of like Game of Thrones. Like, give that blade a name. Like, make it mean something. <laughs> like, that's what that's why I got all giddy about uh, Guillotine's blade from Collector's Club. I'm just letting you guys talk it out. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm that's saving. all I have to say is... I, I, I I'm do saving think, mine. <laughs> I, I, think, I think they should have at least... If you're going to go ninjas, you, you have to focus on you know, specializing the weaponry, but I'll get to that when, or I mean, I'll I'll argue that point later, I imagine. I can't be certain of this, but I think uh, American cardbacks had the advantage of uh, itemizing the weapons. So that initial wave of, of Ninja Force figures from 1992, their weapons were named. Okay. Actually, no, hey, hang on. It's on the, the file card. Mm -hmm. I, I know you're, you're talking about that laundry list they got at the bottom, right? Yes. Eh, maybe. But, like, what if Snake Eyes' sword was called, like, you know, the... the I, I don't know. I got nothing. But, like... Silent it, Fart. It's uh, silent but deadly. Nice. Silent but deadly. When you got a character as, as, as nicely designed as Nunchuck, and you call him Nunchuck, you're missing the point, maybe. I don't hate ninjas. I think that they are kind of like the superheroes of the G.I. Joe arena. And we all know what happens when you get too many superheroes on screen. It's just too much for me. Uh, but I do understand that, like, the nin- I, Robert, you started talking, now I'm talking. 
<laughs> no, it's fine. Well, I mean, the interesting thing is, like, I do mention that later iterations of the of the ninjas do come with interchangeable weapons. But the coolest thing about that initial lineup of ninjas is that they each came with a unique set of weapons, which I mean, I think at least feeds in a bit more to what what you're you're talking about, KJ. Yeah, I like, like that. like um. Nunchuck. He does actually come with just nunchucks. Well, and a sword. Um. <laughs> Have you ever heard of it, anybody say that they like the way that Dojo looks? <laughs> like anybody. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't object to him as a child, but then again, I never clamored. The hair. Uh, yeah, the hair is cool. Um, it was cool to me at the time. I, look, <laughs> it's hard for me to, to view this now. objectively because, as I say, these were the figures that I had to complete the collection of. Like, well, how does I needed them Mr. all. Bang, how do we say that? TJ Bang? Shebang. Um, I always used to call him Tidjbang. Where the red light goes, Shebang. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Shebangs, Shebangs. Oh, baby, when she moves, well, she moves. Teacher, if, if, if I go crazy say... when she looks like a butterfly, sting <laughs> like a bee. What? Well, Shebang is probably easier to say than Tsung Zhu. Tsung Zhu. Tsung Zhu. The, uh, the, uh... The driver of the uh, pile driver. Well, that, that's an interesting kind of paint job. But now we're going off course. Sorry, guys. We're going so far off that we're just talking about the ninja force now. Steven wanted to know, like, how cool were the ninjas to us? Sorry. I've, I've derailed this. Um, I think ninjas are pretty cool. Like, as you know, as you just said, Kuja, they're like the superheroes or the G.I. Joes. And at a time when, like... Our superhero figures weren't to scale with our G.I. Joe figures. They were the closest things we got to, like, superhero-type dudes in the Joe universe, like, to scale with them. Um, so I was I was quite enamored as well. And, you know, what's his name? Uh, Michael Dudikoff was pretty cool in American Ninja. And <laughs> <laughs> he was dope. He was the coolest. Um, yeah, so that, that's, that's two people, four ninjas and the forces. I believe... Kuja is against, but maybe he wants well, to elaborate. I'll, I'll wrap up my uh, proceedings. Actually, you know what? I, it may have been... I got to do a callback to last episode. I might have stepped outside to, to see about a grass fire, but um, <laughs> you guys you guys mentioned uh, Cyborg. I love that flick. I didn't hear it until I was listening to the podcast later. That has one of the best fight sequences in it. That, that that one where he's running through that swamp and he keeps having to face people. Yes. Oh, and dude, does he does he not have the most understated knife flip? Yeah, I know you can <laughs> see it right now. Like I, I, I sent JCVD a tweet saying how much I love that knife flip. Of course, he never got back to me, but no, that's that's one of my signature moves in cinema. Like th- when he did that, I was like, okay, I, I'm I'm rolling with JCVD, and, and I have his whole career. And he's oh, so man. good with it that he can either hit you with the butt of the blade or with the, you know, with the blade. Well, dude, what blade. about the splits in the sewer? Oof. That's that my scene. Thing. That I gotta watch that shit again. was insane. Because you have the guy slowly walking in the in the sewers, and you're like, okay, cool. And then you just have this close-up of, of you know, JCVD's face, and you're like, okay, cool. He's somewhere there. <laughs> and then you see his face again. They show the dude, show his face, show his... And then they do this super wide shot, and you realize, okay, they're in a warehouse. But the coolest thing 
like the lighting on him and the fact that he's split his legs and he's up there. Oh, I got tingles. It was so good. How does that resolve? He was splitting in a corridor above a guy walking beneath him. Yeah. So his feet were on either sides of the walls. I did. I passed out, but I do remember that sequence. But what? Uh, what then did he do? He, like he very violently drops onto the guy. He dropped on the guy. Yeah, uh, you don't actually see what happens. You just like he like he's like. Ah! That's good and filmmaking, he... by the way. <laughs> it's like a lullaby, puts you right to sleep. <laughs> 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 I regret. I regret having been on such a comfortable couch now because the way you guys talk about that film, I really needed to stay awake for it. Don't worry, you got it in the editing. (laughs) When I took my mind back to the Ninja Force, because I did not love them in the comics, although they did great. They did create some great line art along the way. They're just a little OP for me. Uh, OP in the G.I. Joe universe. Two of the characters that I kind of have tracked that came out of that whole thing were G.I. Joe's answer to uh, Humpty Dumpty, and that is Slice and Dice. Both of these characters, and, and if you guys can think of any rhyming partners uh, in fiction, uh, toss them at me. But Tomex and Zamot, jeez, no dude. rhyming bastard. No rhyming. You, you you nominate Slice and Dice as the Humpty Dumpty of the GI Joe universe. I think you're just missing something. Just phonetically, brother. I'm just talking letters right now. Um, um, Tweedle Slice and Tweedle Dice. <laughs> close. Oh. I also Heckle Jekyll or Heckle and Jekyll. I don't know if you guys have those over there, but uh. Those two guys are intriguing. Mike and Ike. Oh, not bad. <laughs> and and a, a, a tasty movie treat. I, I like the file cards because one of them, it says, like, my sword is deadly, but it cuts best from behind. That's a character trait. You know, you can't turn your back on that guy. And, <laughs> and they both have their uh, they both have their kind of noteworthy characteristics. Uh, I would say my, my most noteworthy fight was the one I alluded to before with, uh, with Slice and Dice and, and Snake Eyes. And honestly, like, it, it, when G.I. Joe hits in the comics, it's it, it's a can't miss. And, and you, you definitely have to run that down. But yeah, uh, those those two ninjas still intrigue me. Uh, Nunchuck, just because I do Nunchuck, and I have a lot of respect for that game. So he, he's a good look. But that, that's, that's really all that I remember about the Ninja Force. The packaging doesn't hit, just because... You gotta get you gotta get more creative. Are you specifically referring to um, the weapons trees, or are you branching outwards more in your sort of artistic sense, Kujo, and talking about the the pink, the hot pink swirl? Well, that, I mean, I that's, that's part well. that's part of it. I mean, I, I, that's not a bad look. You know what? I agree with you, man. And you know who doesn't agree? Hooded Cobra Commander, who had a big go at the packaging change to this hot pink color. Yeah. He says it's offensive, yeah, well, it burns his eyes, and I have to admit, maybe I was just part of the target market at the time, but it worked. It really popped. Like, in a row of G.I. Joes on very dark cards, you suddenly had this new color pop out at you, and you're like, those are the figures I want. I want those figures, I don't want anyone else, those are them, those are the ones. That's fair, and also it it brings up a nice... Uh, example for me to talk about time being a flat circle because i mean if you've noticed in the promotions of all the movies now everything is violent purple and blue maybe you've seen guardians of the galaxy suicide squad whatever so i mean like gi joe is just following trends uh all you can see it in in the gi joe line as well with uh citizen's comic uh the colors are blown out in it so i mean I understand the color evolution like you start out with explosions then you got to get you got to change it 
I don't think they changed it correctly. I'm not, I'm not against Neon. I love Neon, uh, Tron. You know, the grid is Bay. But I don't know. I don't know. I think there had to be Neon. And now I'll, I'll get into that just now. Yeah, Paul, set this place on, on Neon Fire, please. Neon Fire. Okay, so um, Steve uh, mentioned the subliminal attraction to ninjas in our youth and, and where it could have come from. I'm going to pick that apart quickly. Uh, so I remember quite vividly when I was a kid. In fact, I still have the toy. I remember ninja weapons being sold in pretty much every toy shop, newsstand, what have you. Okay. So pretty much anywhere you could get toys, you could get like pink ninja stars with a, a sword that had a bright green scabbard, like a katana, you know, a Japanese sword. And uh, you could just buy a plethora of ninja gear in toy form okay and that wasn't the thing that like got the ninja love going the thing that got the ninja love going is that all of this stuff had a picture of a ninja on it and back then even like knockoff card art was pretty good because it was lifting that art from somewhere i don't know god knows where but these packages were adorned with these really well painted ninjas that had claws on their hands and Everything I'm sure maybe Rob and Steve can remember it. There was there was a set where the the ninja had like climbing claws and then in the packages was like two sides and a katana. Oh dude, I had a spring loaded ninja crossbow that fired yes. like like orange dots that had this sort of sticky the, the tips. beige crossbow. And they never they never really stuck on the wall, but whatever. It didn't matter. And and my pajamas at the time were white with, like, black-clad ninjas all over them in various cool martial arts poses with various weapons, sickles, size, crossbows, knives, swords, throwing stars. Yeah, man. In fact, me and my best friend of the time both had this matching pajama set. This is a photograph of us. I might actually put it up somewhere. <laughs> oh, dear. So, like, we were already, like, you know, we were having ninja imagery burned into our retinas and being eaten up by uh, like cerebral co- cortexes and just... My mother made me a ninja costume for one of my preschool's... <laughs> preschool's dress-up competitions. Oh, my goodness. I don't think I placed. I don't think I did very well because... Uh, Nobody could see you. They probably just thought you were a burglar. No, I think they were more about, like, let's not endorse violence. That and the fact that, like... Well, no, actually, I think that was probably the reason. Because the next year, I went as a doctor... And I totally won. I won a chocolate. It's amazing. Nice. Yeah. Did you yeah. better steal your chocolate? No. Mine did. Anyway, so we had all of this. And then video games. Video games had tons of ninjas. There was like Shinobi in the arcades yeah. or Shadow Dancer, should I say. And I mean, in South Africa, we just had tons and tons of Japanese video games. Okay. But Japanese arcade um, cabinets. Because all of our arcade cabinets were being imported from china and japan and the versions that we got were predominantly the chinese or the japanese versions of those games and japan is ninja before especially like in the 80s and so we were getting kid nikki and all of these ninja themed things so i mean yeah we lapped that shit up and you know i don't even have to mention and i'm going to mention it anyway but let's not forget ninja what well, american ninja i mean everybody was like i remember when i was younger i had cousins um my older cousins were like talking about American Ninja is so cool. Did you check how he does that backflip? And people were talking about 
ninja's doing this, ninja's doing that, and then there was the Kawasaki ninja. And uh, it brings me back to an old Transformers uh, episode that we used to have taped on a videotape. And and every time, you know, you started that videotape, so it's like a bit of snow. And then it's just whoever taped that tape taped a bit of commercial. So the commercial starts off with the Kawasaki Ninja, you know, and it's got this whole thing about how cool the Kawasaki Ninja is. And then it's like, dun, 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 and then it'll be back to Transformers. So ninjas were everywhere. Fast forward, I see my first G.I. Joes and I get into the whole G.I. Joe thing and I meet David and David's Asian, well, Chinese, Cantonese technically. And he's got all of this shit. And then Ninja Force happened. Wow. Okay. Those violently pink cards just just reached out and smashed you in the face. I remember my first uh, Ninja Force card was brought to me as a gift, which I now, after having spoken to David recently, realized is actually a Chinese Happy New Year's gift, which is why I got a figure. And what, uh, it was no red store- packets? No red packets with money? Oh, no. I don't think that... David thought I, I think David's family felt that maybe as a as a small kid I wouldn't understand that as a Westerner. So I just got a cool Storm Shadow. <laughs> hmm. Winning. Exactly. I got Ninja for Storm Shadow and he's badass. I mean, I fully endorse Ninja Force. And where do I think Ninja Force started? Well, honestly, I think Ninja Force started with Ninja Force. I mean, G.I. Joe's always had ninjas slipping in and out of the books. And uh, we have that great uh, moment, I think it's issues 50 to about 72, uh, interwoven amongst those issues is the ninja st- a lot of the ninja story that goes on in G.I. Joe. So, yeah, we had ninjas in G.I. Joe, but Ninja Force kind of made it official. And I think Ninja Force had to do it the way that they did, because Ninja Turtles had come out, and Ninja Turtles were doing exceptionally well, and they were brightly colored, and they were screaming at you from the pegs with their neon-colored uniforms and outfits and bad guys and vehicles and whatnot. So G.I. Joe had to compete against that. And coming back to something Cujo had said earlier about weapons trees, as far as G.I. Joe and Ninja Turtles are concerned, I fully endorse weapon trees. Okay, And this is why. Ninja Force's weapons introduced me to a whole bunch of weapons that I never knew existed a library of swords and knives and axes that like I couldn't imagine yet as a kid had now been presented to me as, as things that could plausibly exist, you know, like for example, Shebang's double hook sword. Um, Okay. Yes. I know that's the first release thing, but then the butterfly knives and Scarlet doesn't have it, but one of the other shadow ninjas has it is a Dadao, which is a giant Chinese sword. And, all of the stuff that I just didn't really know was real and got me wanting to find out if it was real. And yeah, shit, it turns out it is. And it's cool now because as a practicing martial artist now, I've used some of that stuff and I've actually seen some of that stuff being used in front of me. So it's actually only made Ninja Force toys cooler for that. So that's the only time weapons trees are forgivable, I think, is, is Ninja Force. And... Until they started going see-through and color changing, I think Ninja Force was one of the best things ever made. It escalated our G.I. Joe battles into a mix of something that consisted of Dragon Ball Z and Saint Seiya and G.I. Joe mythology all mixed into one. It was kind of the beginning of the end for my G.I. Joe collection because Ninja Force kind of got us into the customizing thing. So Dave and I were taking these toys apart and taking arms and legs and whatever and making these crazy mystical warriors that were 
unbelievably powerful, could do things that characters from Saint Seiya could, like freeze you to below zero and shoot you into different realms of existence and whatever. You know, you have to watch Saint Seiya to get the full brunt of that. So essentially, the only fault that Ninja Force made was anything that didn't have nice hips, you know, aka, I mean, Scarlet, we never got Scarlet anyway, but anything that had that sort of kicking attack uh, was kind of dead on us. So that was most of the Street Fighter toys, which I know is technically not Ninja Force, but fuck it, why not? And a lot a lot of these sort of spring-loaded figures were very difficult to crack open, but we did. <laughs> so that's kind of what Ninja Force was for us. It was sort of our first foray into customizing Joe's. It was the first time that a shit sto- uh, Snake Eyes toy, toy had come out, in my opinion, because he was just crap. He wasn't as cool as he should have been. But aside from that, I fully love ninjas. In fact, I kind of want a Ninja Force set now. It's kind of like my next thing after Tiger Force is I'd like to complete Ninja Force. G.I. Joe Ninja Force naturally received a comic book introduction and a a number of semi-controversial issues that followed from that. I mean, if you weren't on side with the ninjas, you probably didn't like their, their use in the comic books. But there is an issue which I discovered in my childhood which has stayed with me forever and gave me inspiration as to how these toys would integrate into my G.I. Joe mythology. And that is issue number 121, entitled Slice and Dice and Everything Nice. It is the issue that introduces Cobra's ninjas, but it is also the issue that best show the G.I. Joe Ninja Force, working as a team to achieve a feat of superhuman ability. Now, it's long been held that the silent castle in Transcarpathia is nigh impregnable. It's just an extremely difficult approach. It's sided by sheer cliffs. It's got one approach road that is mined, that has tank traps. Uh, The winds are too strong for helicopters, typically. And that's what makes Snake Eyes's infiltration of it in issue 21 that much more impressive and unbelievable i mean he has destro stumped as to how he did it but in issue 121 nice symmetry that's actually with issue 21 it's exactly 100 issues later but once again snake eyes infiltrates the silent castle but he does so with the assistance of his sword brothers the Ninja Force. And they do this by scaling a sheer cliff and then at the climax of the issue they hammer stakes or batons into the rock face and with Tijbang, Shebang, at the bottom they each link up shoulder to foot, shoulder to foot, shoulder to foot forming a human bridge and then they allow themselves to fall in this linked fashion over onto the the sheer wall of the uh the silent castle snake eyes is the one who grabs the edge of the parapet and they they traverse it like that i'm like that's insane i mean adult me is like why don't they just have a uh repelling lines grapple hooks something they can throw no they do this like linked and the most insane bit of artwork demonstrating them doing doing this. It's beautiful as they kind of 
uh, just tumble into the blue with a shebang hooked onto these uh, batons. And then uh, he's got Dojo by the ankles. Dojo's got Nunchuck by the ankles. Nunchuck's got Storm Shadow by the ankles. Storm Shadow has Snake Eyes by the ankles. And Snake Eyes has grabbed the edge of this parapet, which is just insane. How they then managed to get across the chasm is anybody's guess. Does Snake Eyes then hold the entire weight of the other five or the other four as they swing down? I mean, it's, yeah, you, you have to see the issue to, 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 to truly appreciate <laughs> this daredevil stuntery. We'll have to ask some ants. Do, do ants do that? Yeah, they do actually. They, Crazy. they make these like elaborate bridges by crawling on top. It's actually quite amazing. Well, like in Brazil. I've seen it on documentaries and shit. The Ninja Force are capable of doing it too. And I just poured over these panels uh, as a child, like losing my mind. And just uh, once again, just uh, investing so much coolness into these Ninja Force figures, which I had amassed. It was the first sub-team that I'd ever completed. And my childhood Ninja Force are before me right now. (laughs) Plus version 4 Snake Eyes, of course. That was something that was kind of cool for us in South Africa for the most part. We could finish the Ninja Force subset. I mean, we could pretty much get all of the figures, with the exception of Banzai and uh, and um, Zartan and Scarlet. But, I mean, we could pretty much get the whole line. I mean, I've, I've, seen, I've seen guys on local Biddle-Buy with all of the figures, with, some of, with figures that I never thought were, re- were released here, but turns out they were hmm. on, on sale in lots. So that was kind of cool. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just being weird, but am I being weird? Perhaps. Well, you can be weird, brother. <laughs> In terms of Ninja Force at its worst, I'm going to tip the hat to the blind master, Christopher Huff, who, uh, in response uh, to our episode 90 had this to say about uh, the Ninja Force particularly, that the moment he stepped off G.I. Joe, big time, never to look back, (laughs) was when they had the Red Ninja, which was not red at all, but simply a recolored dice in a sort of a neon orange uh, getup. And (laughs) it said on his file card, apparently, that he is a master in no can do. (laughs) <laughs> which is not even a clever play on words, let's be honest. Yeah. Anyone else want to throw something to burn in the flames of, of just awful excess? Well, I, I just think that the people that started with the, the three and three quarter, by the time the Ninja Force hit, they were they were probably checking out girls or dudes, you know, whatever. I mean, you just kind of evolve out of it, and here we are again. <laughs> Now we're making sure that our girls are into it. Now, 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 like we have to meet girls that are into our toys for us to be happy. <laughs> well, the, the beauty is that the nerd culture is now just regular culture, so we're now the in crew, really. So chicks are coming to us, which is kind of a beautiful thing. Uh, you know what? I, I, chicks don't need to come to us, and I shouldn't say chicks. Uh, now I'm like, well, what's that one GI Joe driver? He calls everybody chicks. Clutch. I'm not that dude. My hair is not that slick. You know what? I don't think it's a derogatory thing. He says it with respect. You know, he's not like, you know. Well, slang is slang. Like, 
No, I mean, I'm just you're, being. You're a... either gonna get bent, but there, there's probably better things to get angry about. Well, if a girl's gonna get upset because I use the term chick, then I don't think that's a girl that's gonna appreciate the rest of my vocabulary. So, oh, I mean, shit. I don't think. Did I just say a chick who's gonna oh. appreciate? <laughs> we're, we're gonna be single by the time this this podcast ends. <laughs> Well, I think I think the ninja force in itself is kind of like a, a microcosmic um, representation of the Jaja line overall, because like the original Ninja Force of '92 are very individualistic. It's a cool selection of different characters with individual weapons. And then the next year, '93, we are already deep into the into the you know uh, like weapon trees and the proper like. A, bright colors and the, like the redecos of characters i mean already slice came out the previous year in a beautiful red um yeah. red and black costume here already the next year we have a repaint of him in lurid orange which is awful, it is awful. <laughs> and then by the time 94 comes it's like they're not even the ninja force anymore they're shadow ninjas and like now we've really now we've given them all the gimmicks they have you know, these, these cool special moves that kids absolutely love. And now you can put them in the fridge and they'll disappear forever. And you'll ruin their plastic. <laughs> fuck you, kids. <laughs> My biggest, biggest issue with the Shadow Ninjas was that the plastic grade was so bad to enable the gimmick that their thumbs... But they I do not have so a single cool, remaining thumb on any of those Shadow Ninja figures. And I have quite a yeah, few. I don't yeah, I so either. And we have, and both of us have Bushido. <laughs> they all melted pretty well. You guys had Bushido. Go you. I didn't even see Bushido on shelves. So we had Bushido, Nightcrawler, the Night Snake Eyes, Night Creeper, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I just, uh, you know, I don't want Marvel knocking in our door, going, ah, oh, you know, <laughs> I was gonna say, does anybody have love for Dice's mask? Like almost yeah. like that, that bottom part that's open for no. Love the shit out of it. <laughs> really? I love it so much. I love it so much that when they re-released, okay, so they released the Snake Eyes and the Storm Shadow in the modern era figures that have actually got masks that are very similar to Slice and Dice's mask. In fact, I actually think there's a Red Ninja which comes with a claw and a mask which is very similar to Slice's mask. Anyway, you could buy the sort of magic of part swapping and whatever in the modern era line. Make your own dice out of the pots they give you because they actually give you a mask which looks like Dice's mask uh, with that one mystic training storm sh- uh, snake eyes or whatever it is. But I mean, he's pretty much in, in my toys. He's my dice. He's my modern era dice. That's that's where they got the mask for for the collectors club version. It's it's already a mold that existed. I guess I'm talking design wise though. Like I've never seen a mask like that in other uh, franchises. I'm just curious, is there a precedent for it? There is, and that there's stuff like that that exists in real life. Also, bear in mind, and, and this is something I wanted to say about weapons trees earlier, the reason that you're not really going to get named weapons for the ninjas is because ninjas never really had, well, in in the sort of known history of the ninjas and things like that, they didn't really keep weapons. There was just a lot of weapons that they were known to use, or a lot of things that were they that they weaponized so most of the stuff that ninjas actually used was climbing gear uh which they reused as weapons for the most part and things like swords and stuff for ninjas didn't really exist what they used to do is 
allegedly they used to either steal blades from swordsmiths, you know, like actually, you know, like steel metal shards that were maybe not perfect or whatever, that were just sharp enough, or they would sort of buy those blades, you know, because they were completely untraceable. They didn't have the sword maker's signature on the tang. And those were mostly used as their stabbing implements. I mean, maybe they wrapped a cloth around the tang, maybe not, you know, that kind of stuff. So ninjas didn't really have signature weapons. In fact, ninjas, it's it's difficult for for like guys who study, you know, like ninja historians or ancient Japanese martial arts historians to actually track down ninjas because they were so good at keeping themselves secret that a lot of what they did wasn't really known. I mean, they, they pretty much acted like how spies act, that they would dress up as like the common people. They wouldn't dress up in black garbed, you know, outfits and whatever and go and scale, you know, insurmountable heights. I mean, a lot of ninja mysticism is actually um, is actually stuff that is, is rumors and things that they perpetuated to make people fearful of them. You know, it's almost create like this idea that they were demons in themselves. I mean, these guys are training in the mountains. That much is is known is that they're trained in the mountains. And in Japanese mythology, there is something called a tengu, and a tengu is a is a crow spirit, which lives in the in the forest and is known to kill men. Recently, a film called uh, I think it's called Ronin, uh, with Keanu Reeves in it. Is it Ronin? I think Ronin is that uh, Robert De Niro film. Yes, the, then it's the last the last Ronin or something like that. I don't know, something like that. It's it's a movie with Keanu Reeves in, and it's set in Japan, and uh, and it's got a bit of mysticism and whatever involved. Anyway, that film's got Tengu in it, for our listeners who may have seen that film. Isn't it called Master of Tai Chi or something? No, no, no. That's that's uh, This film came out before Man of Tai Chi. Uh, I don't know why I can't remember the name, because it's so... No, I think you're right. It's just very forgettable. Um, but I, really, I like the movie. 47 Ronin. There you go. Or yeah. something like that. 40, very forgettable. Ronin it's literally like called that. 47 Ronin. Yeah, and anyway, there's Tengu in that movie, and the thing is, Tengu, by some historians, are believed to have been the actual guys, the Shugendo, the the mountain men, who were known for training in crazy ways, Uh, they did all kinds of insane stuff, and they were apparently, or allegedly, sort of utilized by the by the government at that time to do all of the work that ninjas were not known to do, and a lot of the mysticism comes from the the myths and legends that these guys perpetuated. So, so there, there hey, is that. Psych out. <laughs> Sorry. Conversation again. Boom. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. My bad. <laughs> I like but, it. But uh, the thing is with ninjas is that you don't have to necessarily tag anything to them. They can be anything, which is cool. Anyway, cool. so that mask of dice probably comes from that kind of thing. Um, it comes from a necessity to be scary. Yeah, it's possible it comes from actual ninja mythology as opposed to, like, something else. Although, if you watch some old-school anime, you're going to find all kinds of crazy-ass masks. Just saying. I still think Dojo looks like the human version of Hong Kong Fui. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. Oh, my word. No do- Dojo love from you, Cooch. If you're a ninja and you and somebody says, "Oh, your code name is Dojo," quit. Go Cobra. <laughs> oh, I'm Dojo. Where's the exit? <laughs> but he's got such a cool ponytail. Yeah, he does have that. 
I don't know how much of the IDW stuff, I mean, not IDW, uh, Devil's Due stuff you guys consumed, but at one portion, they, they made quite a fuss about the ninjas, and I think it's I think it's Dojo or Sinchu, or whatever, Sinju, whatever. Um, I think one of those ga- characters died and was o- also resurrected with the Arashikage sleep thing that they that Storm Shadow uses. The all-seeing eye? No, no, no. That's that's a different technique. That's the ear that sees. I, I I would like to I would like to hear a good nunchuck story. Maybe we'll get one of those in the future. Who knows? Nunchuck is a cool looking ninja though. Agreed. Like, I, Agreed. I think he's great. I think I think if if okay, so if you guys have to like think about it for two seconds, who's the most plausible looking ninja out of the whole bunch? Good. Probably nunchuck. <laughs> yeah, nunchuck fits. He's camouflaged. He's he just seems ninja-ish. And yeah, that's my, I mean, that's the obvious pick. He's packing a sidearm and two fragmentation grenades. I mean, he's... And that's a smart man. He's a, a ninja for the 21st century, or the late 20th century. Mm-hmm. Not only he's does like he have silent Snake weapons... Snake Eyes version 2. Huh? Uh, well... He's like Snake Eyes. He's like the like the, the newer version of Snake Eyes. Hmm. Did you guys have Metal Shop in uh, high school? Mm, we did, uh, but uh, we didn't take woodwork. it. <laughs> honestly like for everybody that ended up in metal shop along the way the first thing you did was made a chinese star and if you could stick it to the ceiling you just left it there all semester nice. that's america for stamp you of, stamp of yeah. pride america usa so cool. usa yeah that's actually what our guys cool. made in 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 metal metal sh- well it was called um hell what was it called here it wasn't called metal shop it wasn't called Basic woodwork. Techniques. It was called it was called uh, metalwork. Yeah. So okay. there was woodwork and metalwork. We had basic techniques. Basic techniques. Yeah. It's like it, it's it's gonna put off any any learner who I think uh, perhaps thought themselves academic. It's like no, I don't want to make cabinets and I don't know cool shits like throwing stars. <laughs> <laughs> I only need one damn cutting board, bitch. <laughs> the the joke of course is that the stuff that you learned in there is actually like super useful yeah so, compared oh, to anything practical. else you learn in school don't get me started on american education or ron friedman at that point or or you know what i'm saying hey say what you want to say about ron friedman at least at least scarlet and lady j scarlet lady j and the baroness were quite respectable female characters for a cartoon so uh, I think Zorana not so much. <laughs> we're gonna redeem Friedman in '99, so uh, yeah, it's coming. So for me, the the best aspects of of Ninja Force, probably the best iteration, is the is the entire '92 line. Amen. Of which of which my favorites are probably Slice and Storm Shadow and and Nunchuck. I think they're, they're just the coolest newer newer like characters that came along, and their looks are pretty freaking amazing. And weirdly enough, like just as a special mention, I kind of like <laughs> the Shadow Ninja version of Snake Eyes. Like, it's just it's so weird though that they reinvented this character not even two years, I think, after you know his blue version came along with you know with the red goggles and stuff, which it's just quite weird. Shadow version, no less. You like that? Broken thumbs and all. Well, what I'm saying is I preferred that kind of that kind of shadowy look to what the actual version of that looks like which is black with okay. blue underwear that is what i'm saying 
I mean, if, if I'm just I'm just saying, I always like that the look of him, that kind mm. of like very hard mask that he's wearing. It's just unfortunate that the rest of him doesn't look really cool. I think the, I just like the, the toy head. sucks. That's <laughs> the, thing. the toy could have actually been so much fun, but it sucks. It's it's not it's not good at all. Um, but yeah, as a special mention, the Shadow Ninja Force dude. Um, and then another special mention would probably be. I think I've said before he's probably one of my favorite looks for this ver- this uh, character. I think I've mentioned it before. Is version two Zartan? <laughs> <laughs> he's great with his mohawk. Uh, that's what I'm saying. It's just it's oh, so, so weird. Great. No, but the weirdest thing is that like his original version is more ninja looking. More ninja like than that, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's and like he looks more dreadnought. Like exactly, it's like they went yeah. they went they were like. Shit, this guy is the leader of the Dreadnoughts, but he doesn't look like a Dreadnought. Okay, let's just shoehorn a version of him into the line at this point that kind of looks more Dreadnoughty. Which mm. has me thinking that originally that Zartan sculpt was not meant for Ninja Force. Like, exactly. that they originally designed that to be a, a new Dreadnought Zartan or something, or maybe a Sonic Fighters Dreadnought, uh, Zartan. But then, I don't know, somebody was like, oh, we should put him in Ninja Force. Yeah, but uh, I mean... Sound, like, Sonic fighters aren't doing well or something, you know? Mm, I would well, agree with of... you if he didn't have a action feature. The action feature suggests yeah. to me that he was always destined to be a Ninja Force sub-team member. Yeah, but the action feature is very easy to implement in that sculpt. It's not like it's not like uh, Snake Eyes' legs, which are, you know, he's got like... Snake Eyes has got like Lego Man legs. You know, Zartan <laughs> actually... If you had to open him up and break his feature, he's a normal toy. No, he's not. Yeah. He's oh, he's got a waist. Figure. Oh shit! It's the waist. Yeah. Oh, should I just? I see it now. Sorry, sorry, dude. Then I take it all back. <laughs> mm, take it I all know. back. But still, I mean, it's it's just weird also that you have the Night Creeper in the in the Ninja Force, but they also released the Night Creeper leader in, in 1993, and he's not part of the the Ninja Force. Oh, it's yeah. anomalous. It's like, why is the, the leader? Yeah, it's, it's 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 weird. And then the other thing, okay, so those are the things I like is um m- mainly the '92 line. And the things mm. I don't like, probably the worst thing is okay, the recoloring of Slice, which is completely unnecessary and just in, you know indicative of of the, uh, the the end of the Joe line. But so probably name is Orange Slice. Oh, fuck off! It's awful. <laughs> but probably the worst. The, absolute worst thing about the Ninja Force is the fact that they had to have oh they had to have vehicles. <laughs> not, actually wait, sorry, not vehicles. They had to have vehicle. They had to have vehicle, which they made into two. Because apparently the G.I. Joe and the Cobras both had the same idea at the same time. But <laughs> G.I. Joe likes hitting you with a big thing and Cobra likes slicing you. <laughs> so what I'm, I'm guessing... referring to <laughs> is the battle axe. And the pile driver, uh, the battle axe being the Cobra version and the pile driver being the Joe version. If you think like other vehicles are the worst vehicles ever, like if you think, I don't know, anything else is the worst. You have not looked at these things. If you think lying down is uncomfortable and stupid for, you know, somebody flying something, imagine standing up and piloting and driving something. You stand in the middle of your stupid vehicle, driving. You're driving, no, but you're no, standing. If you call now, if you call now, oh, they, Lord. They, 
Not only will, will they release a to- a, a terrible toy, they'll put oh, that fucking thing things. in the comic. Yeah. Oh no! Please tell me they did. They really did. Ah, oh, Christ! And also another thing, you get Guys, you get a repaint. You're killing me. <laughs> you get a repaint of Storm Shadow. Fine, Tsingzu. But then you get a guy. They call him the Red Ninja. When you hear that, what do you think? Mm, he's probably wearing red. What is this guy wearing? Fuck you! It's not red. It's pink. And it's purple. And he's a he, he's a fucking repaint of dice. <laughs> what? Get Steven some oxygen. <laughs> oh god, I needed that so bad. Oh, yeah, but oh, no. you're never going to be kicked by more red. But My isn't god. it insane that the version one of Red Ninjas is a pink dude? Is pink dice? He's the original Red Ninja. What? It, you had to wait until 2004 for an actual Red Ninja, who's obviously then just a repaint of Storm Shadow, which makes way more sense. But anyway, so the worst aspects of the Ninja Force for me is uh, basically the repaints and the fact that they have these awful, oh my god, these vehicles. <laughs> hey, wasn't there the lightning cycle? That was halfway decent. Eh, it's fine. But let me make sure people understand that I'm not doing, um, what is it, reverse uh, psychology. Um, <laughs> negative reinforcement. Negative reinforcement. When I say, do not, don't ever buy me these vehicles. Unless you don't. want to see GI vehicles destroyed. Rob, I'm telling don't you ever, now. Do not ever send buy Rob. Somebody's going to hear this episode. And we're going to get, like, four of these things in the post. You know this, right? We're going to get four Ninja Raider pile drivers. <laughs> All post. earmarked for Robert. <laughs> oh, my God. Please, guys, don't. Seriously. This is not negative reinforcement. This is... I'm positively reinforcing the fact that I don't want this. <laughs> Jesus. Either funny. that or you're going to see a YouTube video of them hitting the wall or getting smashed or getting driven over. <laughs> If you hate me that much, listeners, send me these vehicles. I'm going to guess you weren't a fan of the spider buggy either. (laughs) Uh, Is that from Mego? When they gave Spider-Man a car, you're like, the dude can already cut through traffic. (laughs) (laughs) He's a New Yorker. And then the worst thing is that they've they've employed that in recent comics of Spider-Man. But this thing can actually go over traffic and stuff. Oh, my goodness. It's like... Why did you design a car that can do what you can do without the... Oh, God. But anyway, so that, that that's my top best and worst picks. Um, overall, Ninja Force was fun. It was something different. It, it, you know, it kind of fed into my love of superheroes and comic books. Um, and the comic book Stephen mentioned is, is, is the coolest. It's, I mean, it's really awesome, that entire assault of the, the silent castle. It was very, very cool. Probably one of the best things to come out of the 90s when Ninja Force, but I think the very best, we'll have to say for a sub-team, the very best sub-team, in my opinion, came, is not Ninja Force, though. What? It's another team. Yeah. Oh, my. Teaser. Cliffhanger. Well, the 90s will continue at G.I. Joburg <laughs> with <sighs> Rob's favorite subgroup.
Awesome. Episode 92. Rob Rob talks to his favorite subgroup. <laughs> <laughs> Two hours. <laughs> Anyone else got anything to add before we chop this topic in half? Ooh, before we slice and dice it. Oh, oh man, we should have gotten a Ninja Force video game. I mean, <sighs> everybody was getting video games. It would have been great if we had like a... a, a uh, like a beat 'em up style, like a Final Fight style ninja game for GI Joe. Brilliant, dude! Don't get me started on video games. They could have just put a different skin on 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 Ninja Gaiden, you know, change the sprites up a bit to uh, have uh, a white ninja instead. Well, I'm I'm, just, I'm glad you brought could the have, game up. I, no, I would have say, loved to beat 'em up. You just fight like swaths of red ninjas, white ninjas, black ninjas, ninjas with polka dots, yellow ninjas. <laughs> and then, and then you know what you fight as a boss? The ninja pile driver. Mm. Oh, very nice. Damn. Or you press the third <laughs> button, and then the ninja pile driver comes like. That's what the special is. The special is you drive the pile driver. Oh, it means so cool. And it could have had like this really awesome like FM soundtrack. True story, yeah, okay, guys. Cool. The last thing I watched before I went to sleep last night was a speed run of Cadillacs and dinosaurs. Mm, took mm. me back. Took <laughs> me back. Cool game, nice. That's a that's a good last word on Interforce. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing I was playing Shinobi for Lily the other night because she's never seen. Well, I mean, I was showing her some cool old school games. Because apparently I'm old, guys. So I showed her Shinobi, the Ninja Master, Revenge of the Ninja Master, which is Shinobi 3. Easily one of my favorite games ever made. But uh, as I was playing it, I was just having these nostalgic pangs of... I remember when I used to pretend that this was Storm Shadow, and I was Mm. infiltrating G.I. Joe, because you would actually fight guys with guns. I'd be like, I'm the bad guy. Now I'm the good guy, fighting Cobra. I used to do that all the time. Sick. The game that I had stand-ins was Rolling Thunder. Do you remember that game? Yeah, man. Rolling Thunder 3 is one of my favorites. Those guys had hoods on. They looked like Cobras. Yeah. Yeah, they like had like motorbike helmet type things. Yeah. You had to duck... Oh, no, that game was cool. One of my childhood too favorites cool. of the Ninja Force, which I sadly had far too little playtime with because I lost him on my many travels. But I had Ninja Force Storm Shadow... And not too long ago, I bought a carded one, very affordably. In fact, when I checked the eBay at the time of purchase, it was the most affordable way for me to get this figure. Uh, it was a carded one on a Spanish card. Anyways, after freeing it from its plastic prison on a YouTube video, no less. Uh, you can watch it yourself if you want to see it. Um, whiskey-fueled. I uh, remember taking the train home from, from work one day. And I had this figure in my backpack, and I had the Ninja Gaiden soundtrack uh, on my on my my iPhone. So I plugged it into my ears, and I just sort of like imagined running, well, not imagined. I sort of had him had Storm Shadow running to the tune of Ninja Gaiden, leaping over like walls, uh, crawling through 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 hedges, just kind of like somersaulting through the air like it was rad doing a sort of a a platformer almost perspective shot with my one Mm. eye closed making all the cool sound effects and man I was a kid again that whole walk home was wonderful fun 
Cherished memories, boys. Mm. But I think I have divested all the memories I had in store for this evening's proceedings. Ninja I'm spent. Yeah. Catch us next time mm-hmm. for uh, some more G.I. Joburg goodness as we continue our expose on the 90s. Or maybe we'll do something interesting, something else, switch it up for a bit. You never know. But, guys, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. This is Steve-O, donning his black hood and disappearing into the night. This is Paul, who loves sexy polka dot ninjas, also vanishing with a smoke bomb. Which you nicknamed Smokey. (laughs) (laughs) He's disappeared. You're not supposed to laugh, Paul. This is Rob, also fading into the night. He's a shadow ninja. And Cujo, I named my nunchucks Cujo. There's a story there. I'm signing off. Long Beach, saying goodbye.